Welcome to Wind Up Weekly. I'm Matthew Gone. And I'm Katie Canfield. And we're here to share the week's news and wine. This week on Wind Up Weekly, Gallo buys Napa's Palmyre Winery. Rueda remodels its classification system. French government abandons plans for dry January. And as ever, our Wine of the Week. So let's begin with our Week in Wine. Yes, it was another good one. As most of you know, we've just concluded a memorable wine and food filled tour of Spain, uh, covering the Jerez region to the south, Rioja to the north, which we discussed in previous episodes. And finally, this past week, Basque Country, where that fresh, dry, slightly sparkling white wine called Chacoli is made. We visited only one of the three DOs for Chacoli, the oldest, Dio Guitariaco Chacolina, which is located around the town of Guitaria, about a 45-minute drive west of San Sebastián along the Bay of Biscay coast. And we were very familiar with the producer Amistoy. Um, Matthew, I believe you had a couple of, wine, of their wines at Backroom? Yes, we actually featured Amistoy as our wine of the week um, a couple of months ago with their sparkling rosé. That's right. So Amistoy is one of the founding wineries of the Dio Guitariaco Chacolina and have crafted an interesting range of wines featuring different takes on the original Chacoli, including extended lees aging, maturation in oak, rosé, which we tasted here on the podcast weeks ago, and a red wine as well. And the newest edition is 9.6, a low alcohol wine with an ABV only just above the legal requirement, which is 9.6%, in order to appeal to younger drinkers. Yeah, and the winery is located in one of the most spectacular settings I have ever visited, right on the coast, um, rolling vineyards rising up from the Atlantic Ocean, and the winery just overlooks the beautiful coast, and it's just absolutely um, wonderful, great place to visit, and they have a new facility as well, new tasting room, and a, a new hotel on site, so a great place to go and taste wine and stay. And what I also love about these wines is that they're great with food, so we had lots of uh, chacoli, particularly in San Sebastian, with um, all the pinchos in the bars. So the high acidity and low alcohol just goes really well with the local food. Yes, the pincho game was very strong in San Sebastian. Could have used another week to discover all of the culinary delights that the town has to offer. Yeah, we'll certainly be going back. Now on with the news. In California, Gallo, the world's largest producer of wine, has purchased Napa Valley's Palmyre Winery, adding to its small but expanding luxury portfolio. The purchase includes Palmyre itself and also another of its brands, Jason, whose tasting room Gallo will operate. However, Palmyre's other label, Wayfarer, will continue to be run by Cleo Palmyre, daughter of the founder Jason. Palmyre was founded in the 1980s, planting vines in 1981, and the first vintage was in 1986. It has established a reputation for high-quality Bordeaux blends, the most expensive wine retails for $350 U.S. Jason Palmeyer said, I am thrilled to transition ownership of Palmeyer Winery to the Gallo family. The two companies share similar principles, and with Gallo's long-standing commitment to quality, I am confident they will take Palmeyer to even greater heights in the future. Well, he didn't seem to be speaking tongue-in-cheek, did he, Matthew? No, he really seems to think that Paul Meyer and Gallo are very similar companies. I can't think of two different companies. But it does um, seem to fit into Gallo's plans. They have been buying some luxury brands in recent years. They bought Stagecoach Vineyard, 
um, a couple of years ago, 2017, which is one of Napa's most prestigious uh, vineyards. And they also bought Jay Vineyards as well, which is a pretty good sparkling wine producer over in Sonoma. And so um, they commented that they're determined to maintain the integrity of these luxury brands rather than, as they did in the past, simply integrating them into the overall Gallo portfolio. So they really want to maintain the identity. And of course, if you're buying a brand like Polmeyer, you want to uh, use that name and continue the uh, success that they've enjoyed. Well, time will tell whether they uphold these promises. Not that we can really afford these wines anyway. We recently reported on changes to the Rioja classifications with the introduction of Vigneto Singular for single vineyard wines. And our recent visit to the region emphasised how keen producers are to move on from the regional blending that has historically dominated Rioja. But it's not the only region in Spain that's moving with the times. Rueda, Spain's largest white wine region, this week announced an overhaul of its classification system to encourage different styles and to grade different levels of quality, enabling producers to promote their best, most distinctive wines. A new designation for premium wines has been introduced, called Gran Vino de Rueda. For this category, the vines must be at least 30 years old, and yields must be less than 6,500 kilograms per hectare. Another term, Rueda Palido, has also been introduced for wines made organically and aged in oak for at least three years. Meanwhile, Vino de Pueblo will be used for wines that come from villages or municipalities in the region. The geographical designation Rueda will remain, but no longer with the grape variety stated after the region's name. So instead of Rueda Verdejo, the label will simply have the name Rueda. And then there's also another new term, Gran Añada, for vintage sparkling wines that have been aged for at least 36 months. To add to all these changes, new grape varieties have also been permitted, including Viognier, Chardonnay, which is particularly for sparkling wine, and Syrah, allowing, allowing producers the opportunity to make red as well as white wine. So all this sounds like Rueda is definitely becoming more diverse and kind of continues on with the trend of Spain, not resting on its historical reputation, but trying to be more dynamic and really working on appealing to their export markets. I only wonder if the addition of these kind of international grape varieties, are we going to lose some of that unique quality of Rueda wines in the future? Well, they've always allowed uh, Sauvignon Blancs. They always have, always have had an international um, aspect to the wines, especially as Sauvignon Blanc goes really well with uh, Verdeco. And then if they're expanding into sparkling wine, which sounds quite exciting, then Chardonnay makes sense. It's a logical choice. And then Syrah, kind of surprised they've chosen a, a French grape. Maybe they could have chosen another Spanish black grape, but they feel that it's well suited to Rueda's warm climate, um, especially at the altitude that they have as well. So it'll be interesting to see what those wines are like. And do we know with what vintage we're going to start seeing these uh, red and other white wines in the market? I believe with immediate effect, we're going to see these terms for the 2019 vintage. That's why they announced it um, this week. And um, yeah, when we were in Spain, we saw quite a bit of Rueda, but it's usually the inexpensive stuff, the kind of entry-level white wine. Good quality, but easy drinking. And it's still part of their uh, determination to show that Rueda can produce really high-quality wine as well as the um, introductory stuff. In the UK, the concept of dry January has become embedded in post-Christmas detoxes. Established by the charity Alcohol Change UK, Dry January encourages consumers to abstain from alcohol for a month for the good of their health. 
A similar campaign in France has not been so successful, however, as attempts by Santé Publique France to adopt dry January were opposed by French President Emmanuel Macron. After meeting with the president, Maxime Toubart, chairman of the Champagne Wine Growers Association, announced that the president assured us there would be no dry January. Not surprisingly, the French wine industry welcomed the news, fearing that a month of abstinence would hit the industry at the same time as tariffs and Brexit are creating uncertainty. Representatives of the industry also commented that they have been encouraging moderation in consuming alcohol and that a month of abstinence wasn't particularly helpful. Christophe Chateau, communications director for the Bordeaux Wine Council, said, It's as though you tell drivers to go at 50 kilometers per hour for one month of the year and as fast as they like the rest of the time. We fight binge drinking and total abstinence and call for responsible drinking all year long. So what are your thoughts on dry January being from the UK? Well, first of all, I'd like to say what a great name Christophe Chateau is for a representative of Bordeaux. Fantastic, right? I wish my last name was Castle. Yeah. Well, Chateau, I prefer. But Dry January, I'm not a huge fan. I certainly understand the idea to promote moderation in drinking, but encouraging people to stop for a month and then just drink a lot for the other 11 months doesn't seem a particularly healthy way to approach um, consumption of alcohol, not just wine. And it does hurt the um, wine industry and the drinks industry, particularly in January, which is a difficult month for all businesses because it's after Christmas and people are spending less money. So it can really hurt shops, uh, retail outlets, bars, pubs, restaurants. And I don't think that's really helpful for the industry. Right. And I know that in the UK, it's seen some success, but then the UK historically has had no wine industry of its own. I know that that's changing now, but from a production standpoint, never really existed. So it seems to me that supporting an initiative such as this in a wine-producing region, such as France or California, etc., would be a direct assault on local agriculture industry. Yeah, but I don't think we've uh, heard the last of this. Um, this is just a new can move for health campaigners in France following the UK's lead, and it wasn't really properly organised. So it's easier to dismiss. So maybe the health, health campaigners will come back and try to do something like this again. Well, let's hope not. And now for our wine of the week, which is Matthew. It's Brash Higgins GRM from McLaren Vale in Australia, 2017 vintage. And due to our trip to Spain, our last two wines of the week have been Spanish. And we were, of course, tempted to go with another Spanish wine, especially as we drank so much good chacoli in our visit to Basque Country, as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode. But this week we have turned elsewhere, although the wine does feature two Spanish varieties, continuing our Spanish obsession. But it comes from Australia's McLaren Vale and is a blend of 70% Grenache and 30% Mataro. The producer is Brash Higgins, which sounds like the most Australian name ever, but he is in actual fact originally from Chicago. His real name is Brad Hickey, and he moved to South Australia in 2007, having previously worked in the wine trade in New York. He makes a whole range of wines. It's when we were in Australia, we had a bottle of his Chardonnay aged underfloor, which gives an idea of his experimentation. But it's Mediterranean blends we particularly like. So this Grenache Mataro blend comes from a biodynamically farmed vineyard at Yangara Estate in McLaren Vale. And using native yeast, the grapes were fermented together before being aged in French puncheons for nine months. The result is a really stylish, sleek, and sophisticated red, which I deemed scrumptious when we tried it the other night. And far removed from the brash, so to speak, and bold wines often associated with Australia. 
So due to its climate, Mediterranean varieties work especially well in Australia. And here's to more producers working with Grenache and Mataro. Absolutely. And the, the grapes coming from Yangara Estate, when we went to McLaren Vale, we visited Yangara and their biodynamic and their old vine Grenache, which comes from the vines planted in the 40s, is one of the best wines in the region for sure. So real quality fruit that Brash Higgins is working with. Cheers to that. So that's it for Wind Up Weekly this week. Thank you for listening. I'm Katie Canfield. I'm Matthew Gorm. Join us next week for another Wind Up. Cheerio. Cheerio.